Today, ladies, we are talking all about our health. This episode is going to absolutely blow your mind. We are talking hormones and exactly how they can affect your life. Now, this doesn't matter if you are younger or if you're, if you're older. Hormones have a huge part to play in our lives. And I'm really excited for our guest today and also super grateful because I know how busy her calendar is. We are speaking to Pip from Patient Advocates. This podcast was created for women who want to grow their confidence and make themselves a priority so they can get their life back. I'm Janelle and this is the Girls Get Confident podcast. Welcome to the show. The reason why I first connected with Pip is actually because probably for the past eight or so months, I have been working with patient advocates on my own hormones. So this is a topic that I'm super curious and passionate about at the moment. And I thought, you know, I've learned so much in such a short amount of time that there is so much goodness in here for you ladies listening at home to learn and to really soak up. So Pip, just for us to get started... Why don't you tell us about yourself and, you know, where you live, what you love, what you do outside of your work time, and also what got you into hormone health? Okay, so I live in Tauranga and I have done probably since about 2010. Before that, I was living over in the Waikato and I was milking cows. Wow. Um, an organic dairy farm that um, my ex-partner and I converted from a conventional farm and um, I've got two grown children, so I'm I'm going through menopause, and my mm -hmm. children are both thirty and twenty seven, and I live alone, and um, yeah, and I got into the hormones purely because I was a I was looking for a job, and b mm -hmm. it just resonated with me when I went and looked at the original website that Felicity had set up, which was natural mm -hmm. hormone therapy. It just described how I was feeling, and I had just come out of a relationship. And I was an absolute mess. And I was also in my early 40s and even mm. more of a mess because all these hormonal things were going on and I had absolutely no clue what they were. And so I applied for the job and miraculously got it. And I've pretty much been working for with Felicity now for 12 years. Yeah. Wow. A couple of years gap where I went to Melbourne to live, but other than that, yeah. That is such yeah. an amazing, you know, introduction and story. And I, I had no idea about that from you. I just assumed in my mind that you would have, you know, gone to university and been really um, captivated by by this topic. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I've got a, yes, I should have added. I guess I'm got. A, I'm a nurse by background. Ah, oh, amazing. And I did my training originally in London, which is where I grew Well, I didn't grow up in London, but I grew up in the UK. And I lived oh. and worked in London for six years before coming out to New Zealand. And I also have a honours degree in social anthropology. Oh, my goodness. You're an all-rounder. Really useful for connecting with people and listening, actually. I'm a very good listener. You are indeed. And, you know, from, from the consults that I myself have had with Pip, I always I always write down notes prior to our call and I'm like, I'm going to tell her this and I'm going to tell her this, you know, all in, all in relation to hormones. But you absolutely are really good at listening. And I love that you shared a little bit in there about your own, um, you know, hormone experience, say, when you were coming out of that relationship as you were starting um, and employ uh, uh, applying for the role with patient advocates. You know, how do hormones affect us? Because we know that they can affect us in very various ways, but I feel like to get access to that information is quite hard. You know, we're not, we're not really given this um I guess this this journey of if you're this age, here's what they can do. If you're this age, here's what they can do. So it'd be so good if you could just help myself and the lovely ladies listening just to get a bit of an overview in the different kind of ways that hormones yeah. can affect us throughout our lives. Well, yeah, that's a really good question because that's really broad. Mm. And I guess from the minute we start to get pre-puberty, so from a young age, can be 10, can be nine. Nowadays, it seems to be earlier our hormones kick in and they're essentially for women, you know, hormones, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, they're all around us having a regular menstrual cycle, getting pregnant, because mm -hmm. that's as the female part of the species we are designed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you can, you can start at a young age and you can have, you start to get your periods and they can be awful. And for mm -hmm. some women, they can be heavy, they can be painful, they can be irregular. You know, you can get awful skin out 
breakouts, which is a lot of reason why, you know, the young women have that we talk to. Mm -hmm. um, you can inherit a low progesterone level from your mother because wow. the one of the biggest effects on our hormones, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to go all over the place here, That's but fine. one of the we'll biggest effects on our hormones are environmental things. So these are all those things that I would have talked to you about that interrupt our endocrine system. So the horrible chemicals that are around, like, you know, Roundup and DDT mm. would have been 50, 60 years ago. Plastics, particularly heated plastics. There's now research about cell phones and the effect on male hormonal health, but also the connecting them to things like obesity in women, secondary infertility, certain types of cancers. There's all sorts of stuff. So our, so we, our bodies are, whilst we're exceptionally robust and we can put up with a lot of stuff as a body, our mm. hormones are quite sensitive. And mm. so we absorb everything like a big, great big sponge. And then our body doesn't know where to put anything. So it just turns it into something we don't want. And then this can compound our hormonal problems. So for young women, often it, it's really, really hard because we live in a world where we're expected to be perfect from the get-go. You know, mm -hmm. everything's supposed to be even. We're supposed to look fabulous. We're supposed to be a desirable. Uh, we're supposed to be able to know exactly what we want. Now, our hormones don't actually settle for us until we get into our early 20s. Okay. And so as a teenager, we're just all over the show. You know, it's just, that is, then that is normal, not necessarily acceptable, mm -hmm. but it is a normal part of that process. And so then you get into your 20s and often women will find things settle. Mm -hmm. um, if you go on the pill, that can change things because when you the user oral contraceptive particularly, it suppresses your ability to make your own natural hormones and so therefore affects um, that natural regulation. You interrupt mm -hmm. it. And so mm -hmm. whilst the pill does those many things that are great, you know, good way not to get pregnant, it does really, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Women are getting put on the pill younger and younger just I as which is just the lack of men wanting to find a better reason for women to do things. I really find hormones a real feminist thing. Mm. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time and the whole medical profession is predominantly supervised and run by men and they don't really care what women do. They don't mm. care that, you know, they'll just say, oh, the oral contraceptive is reversible. That's it. And when problems might arise because you do take, come off it and then you can't get pregnant, mm -hmm. suddenly your periods are all heavy and horrible again. They don't have any other solution for you other than, oh, well, we'll just go down this next step and this next step. So it's continuously feeding its own, you know, unwellness loop, if you like. And it's, yeah, it gets really hard. And then you go through, you know, women who get PMS. So when you get, you know, ratty and you get this hormonal roller coaster. Small boobs. Yeah, small boobs, absolutely. Let's see. Next skin breaks out. And often, it, you know, it can be two or three days before your period, be a yeah. week. That's often because we've got low progesterone because mm. we're not producing enough progesterone to balance all the other things that are going on in us. And there you get, and, you know, things like what we do can help that. Mm. Um, and then, you, you know, you can live with that for years or not. Then you want to get pregnant. And, you know, a lot of us nowadays, you know, if we choose to have two or three children, we can spend a good six, seven, eight years of our life either pregnant or breastfeeding and not having a period. And then we'll get into our mid-late 30s and actually expect everything to go back to how it was in our 20s. And, of course, it doesn't because from that age on mid-30s onwards, our progesterone particularly starts to drop, which it's done forever. It's nothing new. It's just we don't. We've never acknowledged that or really had any science that works with that. I think it is mm -hmm. getting a bit and Yeah, and then you get the 40s when you're perimenopausal and, again, you know, heavy periods. Um, fibroids can develop. You can get pregnant, accidentally pregnant. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, there's start the breast screening program in our mid-40s. We've got all the estrogens swimming around that we've just picked up and had. Our, and then our body makes more as well at that stage. And that, that leads into menopause, and then that's supposedly the end of our life. Not at all, but you know, <laughs> it didn't feel like it. You completely change. And we just yeah. got this whole society that tr thinks that at 48 we ought to be the same as we were at 26. And we mm -hmm. women are still bombarded with images of trying to be perfect and look fabulous and do all these things. We have to negotiate such a minefield nowadays, let alone the fact that we should have careers and have a family and do everything <laughs> else as well. It's just, 
it's really difficult. Yeah, I don't I actually don't know. And I think what you're doing is really good with your website and podcasts and empowering you. young women and women to sort of just know that actually things are normal. They're not just... Ab a, a, absolutely. Mm, and, and you're not alone, right? No, right? right. We, we as women, we, we don't necessarily experience exactly the same thing, but, you know, mm. we, we are very similar. And as you were highlighting all of those different mm. ages and stages and the different ways that hormones can impact and affect us, I just couldn't help but think, wow, we are freaking amazing. Mm, you yeah. know, and, and the sense of what what we and our bodies can do mm. and how just miraculous they are, you know. And I mean, a, a lot of us abuse our bodies unknowingly. Like we we overdrink, we yeah. we eat terrible food. We, like you said about the, the environmental factors, we're unaware of how those are impacting mm. us. Yet our body for the most part still, still does a pretty incredible job. And so just mm. having you share that, I just feel really in awe right now of like, wow, we, we as women, man, we're incredible. We can, we yeah. can do some tough shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can, we do. And we do, you know, we just, and we keep going and every generation is something else that makes us pick it up. You know, the, oh, you know, we're expected to achieve when we're in uh, at school, when we actually don't even know what we want to do necessarily. And men, boys are the same. How mm -hmm. you can expect 15 year olds to know what they want to do. It's just so much pressure for us to do exactly how the system thinks we should be and ignore yeah. how we feel Mm. and how that is making us feel. I mean, anxiety mm. and stress are probably the biggest cause of most things nowadays, you know, un unwellness or mental health and just not feeling like you're able to cope. It's uh, really mm. sad. Can it I is. And that, mm. that's what I was going to say next is on the topic mm. of like pressure and stress. How does that affect mm. your hormones? Right. Well, okay. So being a female, progesterone, which is our major dominant hormone, is mm -hmm. our anti-stress and our anti-anxiety hormone. So you, you get into a stressful situation and you're already using progesterone up. And then if you're doing things that limits your production of progesterone on the pill or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you produce less and you don't cope. And uh, interestingly, and this is this is anecdotal, and I have no real scientific proof for this, but I noticed, mm -hmm. and I'm sure my daughter won't mind me saying this, but um, she went on the pill as a teenager, you know, 16 mm -hmm. years old, using mm -hmm. it as contraception. Mm -hmm. And two years later, she was on antidepressants because oh she couldn't God. cope with her anxiety. And, because her yeah. progesterone had gotten yeah. so low from, yeah, she, wow. Yes, from Stella. And she'd also had glandular fever as well. And I mm. noticed that connection with also some of her friends, that they had mm. glandular fever, were on the pill, and then they got anxiety and just increasing. They were also studying really hard. So there was all sorts of like, yes, studying yes. pressures. What am I going to do with my life? Do I want to travel? Do I want to go to university? Do I want to just, you know, do nothing, you know, do I mm. just want to be a bum and play on my Game, Bo game Boy all day, whatever. You know, yeah. all of that, just huge amounts of stress at such a young age, yeah. Mm. How, while we're on that topic, how mm. do you help a person through that? You know, no doubt you get a lot mm. of that coming through for for your into your practice. Yeah. And outside of the, say, the testing and the supplements in which mm. patient advocates are amazing at mm. supporting and providing people yeah. with, what else can people do to help them when they're in that state of, you know, anxiety and, and feeling all the pressure? Yeah. Um, oh, that's a really hard one because we're all <laughs> Personally, I feel it's really important to have people around you that um, – you like them, them, you know, they're like your PO, so they're your mm. stability that you can go to. Doesn't mean mm. they're there 24-7, but you know if you need to talk to them, they're there. Mm. And it doesn't matter who they are. They can be a parent. They can be another relative. They can be a friend. They can be a work colleague. It can even be just something that you set up as a routine that you do regularly that, relax, that calms you. It's not even relaxing. It just calms you. You know it's mm. going to be the same. You know, it could, be, it could be going exercising. I know a lot of people find that they release a lot of dopamine if they do running or go mm -hmm. to the gym. And that's mm -hmm. not safe because I'm certainly not like that. I doesn't, that's not how I feel calm. Other mm -hmm. people need to learn to meditate and just try that mindfulness. Because mm -hmm. mindfulness, as you would know, is really important. Just being where you are and stopping and breathing and just going, right, what's around me? Where am I at? 
Absolutely. And then I think also with stress, you've got to you've got to know what you can deal with now. So a lot of things with hormones is you sleep poorly. And you wake mm. up in the night and your brain's just going, oh, I've got to do this. And why didn't I do that? And maybe I should have gone and done that. And you actually can't do anything about it at one o'clock in the morning. Mm. And it's really difficult. It's always easy to say. All of these things are always easy to say. But trying mm. to practice them, say, no, actually, I'll cancel that. I don't, I'll do, deal with it tomorrow. You know, mm. and it's little things that just keep you feel you're more sane. Yeah. And you just anchor yourself in that. Pets are good. I have my dog here with me and he's pretty good at that. I have to think out of well I have to think out I have to not think of myself mm. so I have to so for me weirdly as it sounds I find looking after other people calming mm. it takes me out of me I don't you know and I don't know I can be quite obsessive about myself but um, <laughs> then it stops that because I think well actually let me let me go and wander around the streets and see what I can see what other people are doing yes you know how are they am I but you know yeah just keeping it in perspective yeah, that's amazing. We we recently did an episode on being of service as a way oh. of, you know, getting out of your own head, yeah. um, which is so beneficial as, you know, like mm. you obviously do with your dog and then supporting other people as well. Mm. And um, just when you were talking about the those sleep problems and waking up during the night, something that I found really helpful for me, which we've also done an episode on, is time blocking. And so anytime something that I have to do comes to my mind straight away, I put yeah. like a 15, 30 or a 45 minute block into my calendar at some oh, time yeah, in the next yeah. week or, you know, two weeks. And so that that doesn't have to take up space in my mind anymore because it's already in my calendar. Like it's not just on my handwritten to-do list that I keep shoving down. It's in my calendar. It's scheduled. So when my brain thinks of it, I'm like, Janelle, you don't have to think about that until Wednesday at 6 p.m. So mm. let it go, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and I found that really helpful for um, minimizing stress. The next step would just be to stop filling it you know with 12 hours worth of stuff non-stop but hey we we can't you know progress um, <laughs> what would you say is the most common issue that people come to you with oh that's a good question um probably actually probably I would say it's to do with their periods mm. probably that PMS premenstrual stage if I'm honest mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. over the, because that, you know, because that affects all ages, that affects, you know, teenagers up to women going into menopause, because you yes. still, when you've got your period, you still, it just gets worse yes. or it shifts. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably it with period problems, post, um, yeah, um, even with PMDD to an extent, which is, um, oh, I forgot what it stands for now, post <laughs> pre-menstrual, I can't remember. Um, but it's like you, know, you get really angry, like it's a more it's more of a rage rather than just what you know. It's it's sort of more out of out of the ordinary wow, than just out of character, feeling intolerant and things. Yeah. How how would you diagnose that? You know, so you've got people coming to you for PMS, and then you've got people coming for PMDD. Yeah. How do you diagnose the difference in people? Usually, they know. Yeah. And when we have the health questionnaire that everybody fills out with all those symptoms and I, you mm. know, and then they'll have a history of things like maybe endometriosis or PCOS, or they know that they get really horrible with their periods. Mm. And so they just sort of then just, you know, talk to me and, and let it out and you just piece it all together, find which bits are cyclical because not everything is. Mm. Um, and yeah, and work out the best way to sort of help them deal with that. Yeah, really. Hmm. That is just so fascinating. And the reason why I asked about the difference is because the main reason that I first got ad advised by my own mother to come and see patient <laughs> advocates was because I had noticed within myself being, you know, being very self-aware, very in tune. I know what my body's like. And I'd noticed mm -hmm. kind of a pattern over a space of maybe four to six months yeah. where at certain times throughout the month, I just turned into a psycho. And like, I'm not that person. I've, I'm usually really like easygoing, don't take things personally. And then out of nowhere, there'd be a few days here and there. And I just, 
I hate to say it, but I wanted to kill my partner. And like, he's a dream. He is the best human I've ever met in the world. And I, and I was like, I don't know why I'm being like this, but it's the worst. And so I did what, you know, people should do and what you've already advised in this episode as I went and talked to people and I spoke to people that I trusted, other women, different ages. And I was like, I've been doing this and it's so strange. What, you know, have, have you ever been like that before? And it actually led to a really beautiful conversation with my mother and what she then said to me that when she was feeling that same way she came to patient advocates and this was when I was still a kid you know and so here I am say another 10-15 years later coming and seeing you guys and so that was probably the biggest thing for me was that noticing that I the the best way I can describe it is I felt like a psycho and I felt like I was somebody else inside my body it wasn't me Yes. Yes. I hear. Yeah. That that whole out of body. Like mm. I, you know, I can remember certainly, certainly in my early forties and late thirties, and I'd get that real hot, like probably two or three days of the month. You just lift me alone. Don't come. Just leave me alone. Yeah. You are just going to wear everything, whether you deserve mm. it or not. Whoever you are, and mm. I could feel like I was almost looking at myself, going, "That's not me. Who's this? Totally. This isn't me. I don't behave like that. I'm usually really laid back." You know, I used to be accused of being so laid back. I was horizontal, and I go, "Yeah, because things don't bother me." I just totally. Go, oh, yeah. yeah, except for those two days of the month. But I mean, ah, just yeah. Mm. exactly and I first kind of when I realized this was happening and I pinpointed the the pattern I I love to like notice patterns and identify where things came from so I tried to think back and I realized that at the beginning of 21 I had changed my contraception from a copper wire to the hormonal IUD and I hadn't been on hormones since I was 19 years old so at this point it was seven years that I hadn't been on any hormones and then I go on the hormonal IUD and that's when things started to change how does contraception interfere with let's go with moods because I know it can interfere with a lot of things but how does it interfere with moods in particular well the the basic thing is that because it suppresses your hormones so Mm. progesterone anti-stress anti-anxiety hormone your happy hormone you're not producing it because the idea of the oral contraceptive is it stops you ovulating and so we produce the boost of progesterone that we need po- you know a few days after we've ovulated so if you're on the pill you don't do that mm. and so anything that stops you ovulating other than being pregnant of course interferes with that production of progesterone and some women are absolutely fine they have no problem with all of that and they go through their lives and it's never, never an issue but increasingly it is becoming more of an issue for more women in that they don't deal with all of that as well and they get more anxious and stressed and up and down. Mm. Yeah, and I know, I know that I know some women will experience a lot of depression on the pill, mm-hmm. and that can be to do with too much estrogen. Mm. So estrogen can do either reduce anxiety or increase it depending on the type it is. So, yeah. Why do you Why do you think it's a problem that's increasing? So you say, because mm, we live in a world that is more synthetic Mm. every level actually you know it's just something it's progress I mean some of it's fantastic Mm. but others of it they just don't think through the long-term effects of these things so you know Mm. it's all the chemicals that are around it's the way we socially interact and whilst you know the fabulous thing about technology is exactly what you and I are doing now Mm -hmm. but then for other people if that's all they do and that's all they see you lose that ability to connect with the world. Mm-hmm. We still have to go out and do all of those other things. So there's so many bits to that. Yeah, but it, the world's basically becoming more toxic. We're ruining our planet, which doesn't help either. And it's just all these things are just creating more stress. Mm. You know, and we have now the ability to know what's happening on the other side of the world 10 seconds after it's happened. So mm-hmm. everything is just about designed to, to be more stressful, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You feel it, right? Like when you're when you're scrolling on social media and yeah. you depending on what your newsfeed looks like, how you create it, um, curate it, sorry, you you know, you could read a, a terrifying news story and, and that's just going to put so much stress into your body. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah, I, I hear that. Okay, cool. So so yeah. something that is affecting um our moods is 
the the environment and different yep. things that we open ourselves up to, whether we're yep. conscious of it or not. And I think that's a really important thing mm-hmm. to to mention is hopefully um, ladies listening at home are thinking, hmm, what kind of environmental factors am I putting myself um or opening myself up to at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I had my first call with you, Pip, you shared with me some some environmental things that I can do mm-hmm. literally from from starting from now that yeah. will um, minimize the the effects and, and those external factors. Can you talk into that for us a little bit yeah, and just sure. give the, the lovely listener at home yes. some ideas on what they can do? Yeah, well, one of the... Mm-hmm. One of, one of the one of the most important things to do for women is to mm. use, um, well, um, you know, sanitary products that have got free of chemicals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and I there isn't I don't think there's any research yet done on things like moon cups and things like that, but they must be mm. better for you than tampons with you know dyed strings or what goes into the sanitary pads and all of that. A little environmental thing, but those sorts of things. Um, using um, paraben-free cosmetics, shampoos, mm-hmm. soaps, and if you do, you know, hair products because it, a lot of them are full of sil- silicon and all of that sort of thing as well. Um, eating eating well. Well, that's a broad subject, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> really expensive to eat well, but trying to eat things that are not hadn't had the, them, them overly sprayed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, as organic as you can go, and there's always going to be a balance in there. Mm. You know, things like celery, you see an organic celery, you wouldn't really buy it because it looks awful. But celery is one of the most sprayed vegetable grown in New Zealand to make it look that nice green ribby look. Wow. Yeah, it's really sprayed. Strawberries, potatoes are another ones that are really sprayed as well. But they're really good for you, you know. So it's always a balance. And so it's like um, when I was organic dairy farming and we used to talk about the quality of milk. Mm-hmm. So raw milk is always going to be better for you. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether really it's organic or it's conventional. It's the pasteurization process that ruins everything in the milk. So it's always mm. something as clean as you can. And I know this is quite, um, you know, it, it is an expensive way to do things. Yeah. Um, wearing, trying not to wear synthetic clothing, you know, wearing, mm-hmm. um, well, hemp, Hemp is more sustainable than, say, cotton, but, you know, moving towards those sorts of things rather than polyester or microfleece, which is great and practical, but don't wear it all the time. It's always that balance of things. Um, oh, the usual things, you know, smoking, alcohol, drugs, you know, we're never, you know, never going to deny that people don't do them, but it's mm-hmm. how you do them and why you're doing them. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're 37 years old and you still go out to the pub every night and drink 10 pints of beer, that's probably mm. not really very good for you. You know, mm. that's, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just those those sorts of things, really eating, you know, um, I'm vegetarian, so I don't like saying this, but eating organic meat rather mm-hmm. than, you know, home-killed meat rather than just the full commercial meat. Um, just being being aware of what you consume and what you do and where it comes from. And I think consumers are getting much more aware to that. And they're not buying things that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. You know, fish is another one. So I haven't, eaten oh, yeah. fish. I haven't eaten fish since I was 14 years old because wow. I saw something as a kid and I went, now I'm not touching that again. Wow. And I pretty much haven't since I was, yeah, that's a long time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is amazing. I mean, they say fish is fabulous for it. It is. But you've got to look at how we do it, why it's done. The process and... Which again also adds to your stress. <laughs> you know, it, it just does. It's a vicious circle. You know, you just go round and round. So you do what makes you comfortable, and always observing, say, the either the eighty twenty or the ninety ten rule, mm-hmm. where you do it most of the time, and don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up about it when you don't do it, because that's not helpful either. You know, so you are allowed to drink and you are allowed to smoke and do drugs. Just don't do it ninety percent of the time. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's some really practical advice there and just some really good tips on things that we can all start to look at in our day-to-day lives and, you know, the the environment that we have around us. And, you know, what comes to my mind as well is other 
forms of um, like mental well-being stuff because if, yeah. if you, you're yeah. saying that focusing on this kind of stuff is going to bring you a sense of stress because yeah. you know you're gonna let's say be heightened you know your awareness will be heightened to mm-hmm. everything now it's like that's got chemicals on it or mm-hmm. that's got hormones that I'm going to ingest into my body which is going yeah. to affect da 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 and it's going to make my PMS symptoms worse and I'm not going to be mm-hmm. able to sleep or things like that so I, I hear you on that stress yeah. side yeah, processed process food is another one. That's a yes. really big thing. And all those hidden sugars. Yes. Because they really are quite, we have been very slowly over decades, you know, moved into having sugar without being aware of it. And now mm-hmm. we've got to undo all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happened in the early 70s. They started to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they yeah. we are within a, you know, sugar affects you in all sorts of ways. You know, women get hot flushes because they have sugar. You can get, you know, moody because you get sugar, then you get that sugar drop, you know, all of those things, moods and everything else as well. So hormones, insulin's a hormone. So yeah. Mm, it's huge. And unfortunately, yes, yes. I'm 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 definitely a, a sucker for some chocolate and some Me too. Um, some mm. sweet food but you know like you say don't hate on yourself and make mm. make the make it make it any worse for yourself I find it really interesting when you touched on um you know it being say more expensive to eat healthier food what I always think of is well would you rather pay a little bit more now for the more expensive food or yeah. would you rather pay for your um your health doctor's bills later or potentially your life kind of thing like we don't really know the the long-term effects or, or let say we know the the long-term effects aren't going to be that good so if we can consciously make some decisions now that will help us then that's really going to be better for us in the long term and help us to hopefully not have to spend so much money with doctors and I love what you said about we're becoming a more conscious spending society Mm. and I heard um, I think I read a a book on it a few years ago and the author was talking about how we vote with our dollar yeah you know everything you spend money on if you buy that say um, Nestle block of chocolate then you are agreeing to the process in which they cut down the rainforest in order to make it you know and 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 I as soon as I heard that Mm -hmm. Again, I just talked about it. I'm not perfect. I love chocolate. But it's that, that awareness. Like, you know now mm. when you're buying it, when you're spending that $5 on two blocks when it's on sale, you know yeah. what that $5 is contributing towards. Yeah, yeah. well, that's exactly right. I, remember, I mean, you know, friends of mine and I made a decision not to eat Cadbury's chocolate. I don't know. God, whenever they took put started putting palm oil in it, mm. they went, no, I'm not, I won't buy that because palm oil is really destructive to the planet, um, mm. you know, in Indonesia and um, habitats of animals and of, of the orangutans particularly and all of that sort of thing and so but you've got to do what is comfortable you're right and I still eat chocolate because I love it <laughs> but I don't eat I don't eat Cadbury's chocolate and I don't eat Nestle chocolate so I mm. still go well I have to just take responsibility for now what I'm mm. doing and I know that this is probably not brilliant but I'll do it today and I, I think that's fantastic. And what this conversation is making me think of is that hormones is such a, a diverse thing and there is so much that comes into it. And there's also yeah. a potential of when you open yourself up to, um, say, making your health a priority, yeah. focusing on getting your hormones into alignment as much as you can, you're then yeah. probably going to start and move down this journey of like conscious consumerism and mm. probably spirituality as wow like Mm. I know that's been a massive thing for me is the more that I learn about the planet and the environment again not perfect but self-awareness learning consciously making different or better decisions one Mm. step at a time then leads you down the sense of being like more connected not just to yourself but to say the universe or some form Mm. of higher power as well so I find that really really fascinating (laughs) yeah well it's interesting because there's a concept of that we're all connected yeah. So what we do, even though it feels small, actually ripples out, mm. you know, and that, on that, you know, ripples out and you just do what you can, mm-hmm. you know, do what you can in your own, in your own space and that you're comfortable with because you don't have to sort of save the world. But if everybody does a bit, mm-hmm. it just does. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I hear you on that. And that is why, like, my my mission with Girls Get Confident and the work mm. that I do in the world has been to, the way, the best way I framed it was I want to help 10,000 women. And that doesn't have to be um, 10,000 women who I 
personally connect with and say pay to um, pay me to coach them and all that kind of stuff that could be I actually only work with a thousand women throughout my whole career but then those thousand women are empowered to then go on and to help others and so it creates that ripple effect that you're talking about and that is so powerful and how nice is it to know to know that it's not all on our shoulders you know we can be the example we Mm -hmm. can help the people around us in our direct circle and empower Mm -hmm. them to go on and do the same so it just flows on and on and on which is Mm -hmm. incredible now speaking of girls get confident on this podcast Mm -hmm. we always talk about different ways that women can grow their confidence yeah how can balancing your hormones help your self-confidence that's a really I looked I saw that when you said and I thought oh how do I answer this so (laughs) if your hormones are better and that doesn't mean they're ever good you know they're perfect you Mm -hmm. feel more balanced so if you're feeling more balanced you feel you can just cope better with things that come along and therefore then that's got to be better for your confidence you feel you've got that confidence to go forward and do things. I women women talk to me about when they've been using and you know they might have been using these for you know two or three years or whatever that they feel like they got their old self back. They can mm. feel more confident to go and do things and um, stand up to their boss or whatever it is or bullies or whatever it is mm. and know that what they feel is okay and actually needs to be validated by other people and so that then you know leads to, to having that confidence. I think. Yeah, it is an interesting one because it's confidence is a difficult thing to do nowadays. I think it's uh, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah I think we, part of that. I think yeah, yeah. That that's so interesting. That 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 sense of self, right, is so yeah. important. And that's what I'm always talking about. Is like get to know yourself, get to know what you like, what you don't like, what makes you tick. And at the same time, if you are focusing on balancing your hormones and the the way you live your life day to day, what you eat, mm. um, the things you consume, the things you buy, all that kind of stuff, then that is going to also add to your sense of self-confidence. I love that. I think that's a beautiful answer. Thank you so much, Pip. Oh, yeah. oh you're welcome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so your, your employer, um, Felicity, mm. she started um, Patient Advocates, as you say, Natural Hormone therapy is a natural hormone therapy company natural it's, hormone um, therapy. what are we patient advocates limited for natural hormone therapy yeah love it so it's been, it's you, been going 25 years so you know you must have helped thousands of yeah. women in that time and I just think that is absolutely incredible and when I was first talking to Felicity a few weeks ago saying mm. hey I really want to do an interview with you guys I think it would be awesome to chat to the listeners mm. she shared a term with me that I just have to talk about she mm. referred to this as IRD okay mm-hmm. and yeah. what what I took from it is that it means inner random dialogue can you please share with us what this whole IRD (laughs) thing is (laughs) well I can I can do my best because this is a classic felicity term that she and two friends of hers were sitting and talking about how they were coming across women that were dealing with premenstrual problems and Mm. they were getting a week before their period and they couldn't stop the chatter in their brain so they were bringing themselves down. They were criticizing everybody else. They were being judgmental of themselves and others. Um, they go to bed at night, and just couldn't turn their brains off. They would be short-tempered. They would be irritable. They would be moody. And their just brains would just keep beating them up, basically. So that whole random dialogue is what goes on in your head mm. when you're stressed as well as premenstrual because it was stressed as well you know you do you you question yourself you second guess what you're going to do and then you take delight in the fact that you got it wrong all of that you know all of those things that we do yeah that's Mm. pretty much what it means yes but it's her own her own terminology because I had to ask her what it meant too at times (laughs) I love it I think that's so fascinating because I talk a lot about the ego which you know to me the ego and IRD they would be Mm. similar Mm. if not the same thing but I like what you said Mm. here around pre-period it heightens and I notice within myself when I'm pre-period I just I want to hermit 
and I want to be by myself and I don't want to talk to anybody and I love you but can you please leave me alone I just want to watch tv and (laughs) and it's one of these phases throughout the month and I actually like it I like knowing that soon you know I can I can work 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 and go 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 and soon my body's actually going to tell me Janelle it's time to stop you know it's really nice to have these messages do you know much or can you talk to some of the different phases of our cycle and some of the ways that it can um I guess motivate or demotivate us so we've already said about like leading into to your period you get this IRD what other kind of things do you get leading into period and then also other phases in the cycle yeah that's a good question so so this is observations, and I know, and I know that if you you look um, culturally and and historically, mm-hmm. how we were with our with women with their cycle, often they were connected with the moon. So often you yes. either got period around the new moon or the full moon, mm-hmm. um, and that's why you know majority of women have twenty nine day cycle. It's the moon phase around the the earth, wow. and often talk about the most dynamic time of the month is that week after your period. Mm-hmm. When you sort of expelled all of the the endometrium essentially, but you've expelled everything, and then you feel ready to take on whatever challenges or whatever life you're going to create for that next while, and then you build up to the middle of your cycle, which is when you ovulate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, because we're mammals, therefore that's around the time when we're most, um, you know, our libido should be highest mm-hmm. because our function is to get pregnant. <laughs> yes, if you don't want to get pregnant. Don't do it around then, um, and. And then we sort of, then we, you know, then we have, we get through that and then we start to move towards our period again. And that week before we do naturally become more introspective. That is a perfectly Mm. normal part of that cycle to want to take better care of yourself, Mm. be, you know, be like you are in the winter, you know, hibernate, be um, warm, um, you know, just comfort yourself. Hence, I suppose, the chocolate and all the things that we want at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And getting ready again for the ex, you know, for us to have that period and let everything go again. Yeah. Mm, I love that. What What would you say for you personally um, mm. would be your favourite time throughout that, that cycle? I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. You mean for me or for Yeah, you know, yeah for you, for you. I actually like used to, when I, when I, once I got everything under control, I actually liked that week before mm. because I actually liked the fact that I could allow myself to be quieter and ignore people and not be being rude. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wasn't actually going to bite their head off anymore. I just said, no, you can just still leave me alone because I'm going to read my book or I'm yeah. actually going to watch this movie and I don't want to go outside. Summer or winter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. rest That's of the time beautiful. I didn't really have much of a problem, so I was all, yeah, pretty active and things like that, yeah. But it's a very yeah. good question. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just... You love yourself in all your aspects, haven't you? You you do, and I think it's a it's an ongoing journey. You know, you don't just love yourself now or go on this journey to to know, like, and love yourself, and then you're good for life. Like you've got life to continuously life. practice yeah. that. And yeah. I notice within myself when I have those phases where I just want to be by myself and I just want to watch a movie and I just don't want to talk and I just want to relax and unwind. I notice some of that IRD that I get is around like my partner and I live on a one acre lifestyle block and there's always mm-hmm. stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be all I'm thinking of in my mind <laughs> is TV. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just want to switch off mm-hmm. and it's not even like I want to switch off and read a book, you know, it's the bad kind of switching off. And yeah. then I just look at my partner who's so amazing and goes outside and mows the lawns or something. And I'm just like, oh, you know, that, that IRD is you should be doing this. You should be helping yeah. too. But it's like you say, it's loving yourself in those times where you don't feel super, super motivated, but you know that you've got to listen to your body and you've just got to flow with it and let it happen because in a few days time you're going to feel so much better you know I I have a I have a client right now and um we're working on some pretty intense stuff around her career which is so exciting and um there's been some times where she will um cry about work and we had a session and then two weeks later we had our next session and when she jumped on she just had the biggest smile on her face and she's like I've had the best two weeks and da 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 and she she was clearly in that phase of say like post period where she's she's creating all is in flow and then Mm. I remember near the end of our session she said something about you know like 
I, I can't say I'm never, never going to cry again, but you know, it's felt nice to be this good. I'm like, let yourself cry when you feel whether, whether that's in anything to do with, you know, you've had a stressful day or some kind of interaction that you feel emotional about. It doesn't just have to be pre-period that you feel that way. Like, let yourself feel all of those things because we're all only human, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to own your humanness. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really mm. important. Mm. And hormones can, you know, and, and particularly for women who, you know, if they have endometriosis or they have PCOS or, you know, all women develop fibroids where you're actually in a lot of pain, mm. it can be really demoralizing that you don't, you know, you don't, you know, you don't feel like yourself and you just want to get rid of it. And it's very, um, yeah, it does bring you down. Hmm. Mm. So yeah. my little sister, there's two years difference between mm. both of us and her whole like teenage years, she every time at a specific phase, I can't quite remember, but a certain phase in her cycle, she would just end up in hospital. Like she would be in that much pain that she would faint, pass out, yeah. and then she would wake up in hospital. And so sometimes that was me driving her there other times that was ambulance or my parents mm. and you know it's it's it, as you're talking about people with um with certain issues say like PCOS mm. and endometriosis I just can't help but feel this real like compassion towards those people and saying this instance my little sister do you have any words on how people say like myself or anybody else listening who has a loved one who experiences this how you can like support them you know, or, or let them know that you're there for them because you obviously, you're not in their body. You can't feel their pain and you can't see it either. It's not like they've grazed their knee or they've broken a bone and you can no, see it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's a very, and pain is a very individual subjective thing as well. And I think, yeah. I think you have to be just li to be able to listen mm -hmm. to just be there. And sometimes actually being there is just not saying anything, you know, and um, should make sure that they feel that they're heard because a lot of it is that you know and particularly if it's been ongoing and for years and within particularly with endo you know mm -hmm. women feel like they haven't been heard because no one's listening because nobody does anything about it so you've just got to try and empathize with them and have compassion for them just like just like with anything else really but it is yeah it's yeah it's a hard one yeah mm -hmm. but that yeah just listening and listening as well yeah and finding if they like to do things that take their mind out of things as well can help. Mm, yeah. And maybe ask them if they want you to buy them some chocolate. But well, not that's everyone is Absolutely. Like. <laughs> not, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes just asking them what they need. Yeah. You know, how can I actually be helpful to you? Mm, I love that. I, I yeah. love that. That is, that's such a good way to put it. And also instead mm. of you putting your your stuff on them, say you feel uncomfortable because they're in pain, you don't know how to help, yeah. you then go and throw everything at the wall just trying to make the awkward uncomfortableness go away. Well, actually yeah. what you can do instead is one, listen, but then two, actually ask them, hey, how can I help you? How can I yeah. serve you and support you at this time yeah. right now? Absolutely. Oh, Pip, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, that's one of the things I learned with working with people on the street. Mm. He's very well wanting to go and say, oh, I've got food for you. A, actually, is it what they like? <laughs> it's always mm. that. But it's actually, you know, actually, how can I be helpful? What do you need? Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, because they're people. They're, hum you know, they're humans too. They're people and they have their own needs and desires as well. So I just transfer it into as many areas as I can, really. Yeah. Mm. I love that. But what, seeing mm. as you've just brought that up, why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the work that you do outside of yes. patient advocates? Right. So I've worked with a charity called Street Kai and Toronto CBD for going on five years now. And we used mm -hmm. to run a community meal in the bus stop in Toronto, which has now just disappeared, yes. by the way, yes, um, every Monday night. And um, it was called Milo Night. And essentially, my one of my best buddies, Trace, she started it and basically went up to them and said, well, what do you need? And they said, well, and it was a miserable winter. It was really wet, almost as wet as this one, actually. And they just said, we'd really love some Milo. And so cool. basically we started doing that. Mm. And so over the years I've worked with the, the rough sleepers in the CBD. So they're the ones sleeping in the doorways and their cars in tents, um, under bridges, um, in bushes, yeah, wherever they can get somewhere to sleep. Yeah. And uh, pretty much I've done that for five years. And now, now what we actually do is we have a, um, a pop-up shower, which wow. is basically a really – quite a flash um, camping um, two, two cubicle shower and we put mm -hmm. that up on a Sunday 
and then they all just come and have a cup of tea with us really and don't use they do shower but it's all about making that connection mm. so it's just being there and then we'll say what do you need and they say oh have you got any of this or that or whatever yeah so we used to be out of the back of my car at the bus stop and it would be full of socks and underwear you know deodorant sanitary products blankets anything that they would need that you know yeah and when there's it's such a bittersweet thing because you actually don't want this to exist you yeah. actually really wish everybody could have a warm safe absolutely home, enough food and all that stuff all that you know stuff but it yeah, it, it just isn't there, so you just do it. Yeah. Mm. How how is that supported by the by the community or by say you know anybody else in, in the country or the world if they mm-hmm. wanted to support what you're doing? Because when you said just then about like socks or undies and things mm. like that, I yeah. obviously money goes into buying those things. Do people mm. contribute stuff or yeah, they do. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, they do. We've got a, the best way. Yeah, we have a Facebook page. There's actually mm-hmm. two, but the the there's a group and then there's an open Facebook public page, which is probably the better one. And yeah, we do. We, um, you know, we often put out call for winter sleeping bags and things. We get donation. My garage is full, half full now of things for mm-hmm. you know, tents and everything else. Um, and we've, you know, we do get uh, Acorn Foundation have supported us for a few years now. Um, we've had some support from Tarana Council uh, as well and other other places as well. And we get done, you know, people donate us money um and um yeah even actually this is interesting so they must have seen a tv um spot that we did nestle actually got hold of me and donated us a year's worth of milo oh what a dream. and that had taken us four years to get to that point they we, we emailed them as well and said hey wouldn't you like to do this it's called milo night yeah. and then they yeah hmm, which was fantastic that was great Okay, so you can check out that link in the description of the episode. Pip, you are incredible. You do some amazing things. I I just want to thank you for the the work that you've done to help me, even though I'm not the best client because I don't follow all of your advice and I've been like that my whole life. (laughs) That's all right. You're doing something. You're doing it. You know, you're you're getting there. Life's you know, life's a discovery and it's a journey and it's always Mm. the way you go, not where you end up or that you don't. You know, you always going in the right direction you know you take three steps forward and two steps back and it's still a step forward so it's always you know it's cool yeah 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 and I'm never a person to judge because I know all the rubbish that I've done in my life (laughs) oh exactly but it's just been such an um uh, an amazing experience for me to be able to feel like myself again and I know I touched on before how I just there were certain times throughout the month before I found patient advocates where I really wanted to kill my partner even though he's <laughs> a dream and now I would probably say that only instead of being three three-ish days per month it's now one day per month so that is progress Wonderful. you know well done you <laughs> you've done you've done it not, I mean I've just assisted you and guided you but you've actually done it so that's brilliant yeah, well, I, I don't know if I'd have much of a relationship if I hadn't found you guys. So um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Pip. It has been awesome having you on the Girls Get Confident podcast. Ladies, if you feel like anything from this episode has resonated with you and you're listening thinking, ah, I I think I've got some hormone work to do. And you can also check out the link in the description below and get in touch with them. They're super busy and you might have to wait a few weeks, but they are well, well worth the wait. Thank you, Janelle. That was wonderful. Yeah, you did great work. Thank you. Thank you so much.